Welcome to Dietitian Boss. My name is Libby Rothschild. I'm the CEO and founder of the Dietitian Boss Method. Our company is here to help you get started in private practice even before you think you're ready. I've created a proprietary process to help you increase visibility, create organic content, enroll clients into an offer, and learn sales skills that don't even feel salesy. Listen every week to your colleagues as they're being interviewed, and we chat about their progress and success from when they got it started from zero to all the way to creating million-dollar businesses and beyond. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Tara, who is a digestive disorders dietitian. And I'm really excited to have her share her story about working full-time and building her business at the same time as a dietitian boss. Welcome to today's episode, Tara. Hi, Libby. Happy to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to have you on air and sharing your story. So can you fill in a little bit more about your bio and share your Instagram handle so everyone can understand a little bit more about who you are and what you do? So my Instagram handle is happy.gut.nutritionist. And I focus on helping women that have chronic bloating, chronic constipation, improve their digestion without restricting their diet, without rigid dieting. So a lot of the women I work with have a history of disordered eating. And whether it was like the chicken or the egg where the GI condition influenced a disordered relationship with food or an eating disorder or disorder relationship with food influenced the GI condition, whether, you know, whatever avenue that came from, we just work on healing the relationship with food and improving digestion without rigid dieting. So that sounds like a really clear message. Would you be able to share a little bit with the audience of how you came to defining that message and your niche and maybe reflecting on some of the challenging and some of the easy aspects of getting to where you are now? Because you just articulated that so fluidly. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Well, it took practice. I didn't think that this I haven't really seen this being done a lot, really being clear about bridging the gap between intuitive eating and gut health and really supporting women that have disordered eating patterns due to GI conditions or vice versa, like I said before. But knowing what we know about the gut-brain connection, it is really important to have a healthy relationship with food and enjoy your meal and not fear it so that you can be you know, more receptive to receiving the food and digesting it. So I think when I first started, I wasn't really sure that was an approach I could take. But then through the program, just really getting more detailed and learning more about what I wanted to express from my story and my experience and really aligning with my message, it just took a lot of trial and error to realize I could do this. Even though I didn't see it out there, it was possible. Yeah. I love that. And you definitely showed up, did the work. And I think you're a great role model for dietitians of any specialty that are looking to get their message more clear and aligned. So I do want to talk a little bit about the aligned piece because I know that there's a personal story as well, and that's important. Mm -hmm. But before we get to that, what did you apply that helped you? If you were to give it like a tactical tip, what in the application process of clarifying your messaging helped the most? or helped in the process, if not the most, like one of the top couple things? Yeah. Market research was like, honestly, the most helpful thing and something that I never would have learned how to do if I wasn't in this program or something I wouldn't have had the confidence to do if I wasn't in this program. Because if you don't come from a business background, that whole process of learning about your market seems really foreign. It's not something that we are taught when we're dietitians, but also just kind of using this new platform of social media as a tool to do market research. I mean, I grew up 
in the 90s and you know MySpace came out I think when I was in high school but like Instagram and all these things are pretty new and building a business is new so when you combine the two of trying how to like leverage social media to do market research it's a very new thing so that was definitely the one thing that helped me clarify my message talk to my audience get to know what they really wanted and so i could mold a program that was needed versus what i thought everyone needed which you know taking your ego out of it and really listening to what people need yeah really well said and that's so hard for so many of us that don't understand that whole process. Like you said, it is foreign and all of these books are new, right? Building a business is a new concept. It's never, you know, had never done it before. And then leveraging a platform that is relatively new. That's a lot of new things all at once. So I really appreciate your openness you know, have the willingness to approach market research as a tool to learn and explore about what people want. And when you say market research, can you give one example of what was helpful with the market research? Yeah, I think like having the confidence to reach out to someone who is clearly connecting with your content and saying, you know, hey, I see that you've been engaging in my content. You know, could you tell me more about your story and seeing if they would fall under the realm of an ideal client and then getting on the phone with them and talking to them. I remember when I first started the program, I was like, I'm not going to get on the phone with anyone that I like I met on social media. And now that's been like the most powerful aspect of me getting to where I am now and just approaching it. And at first I was kind of, it felt weird, but then when I shifted my mindset and was like, I'm truly interested. No, like I'm genuinely interested in this person's story. And that made me realize I'm just, they're teaching me something. And it just made it different for me when I took that approach of genuine interest versus trying to get something. Yeah. And that's a really great shift. So did you feel that employing mindset tactics or even just awareness of identifying fixed and growth mindset helped you with pulling your ego out to make your content and your message about them and not about you? Was that part of what helped in that process? Yeah. I mean, mindset and growing a business is like, it's not just growing a business, right? It's growing a business and all of your fears coming out. It's growing a business and having to approach your like self-criticism. You know, there's always these emotions attached with it. And if you can't address those while you grow, you're going to stay where you are because you grow with your business. So yeah, really well said. I always say that the first fundamental and principle in business is you, Mm -hmm. right? So it starts with, like you said, being aware of criticism, finding process to be aware and even just handle it and having protocols for yourself. And that's why I recommend mindset shifts, affirmations, awareness, reflection. And that's why you know being in a program and being around like-minded peers can really help too. Because it can feel isolating and lonely when you're learning new things, exploring a new platform, and then it's a lot all at once. It's important, but there are avenues that you can explore that will help you shift your mindset when you're aware that that is the most important aspect. So thank you for sharing that, Tara. That's really a great insight to share for the listeners. So I did want to shift over. We talked about mindset. We talked about market research, which helped you make a business for them. Can you share a little bit about your personal story and how that helped you land on this topic? And then after that, I want to segue a little bit to your full-time job and then the side business and then how you've been able to marry the two. Yeah. So my personal story kind of... I've had digestive issues my whole life and it was... Gosh, I was diagnosed with IBS when I was getting my master's degree in nutrition. So like full of stress, it was just a really 
challenging time because there was a lot going on. So I had my digestive issues for years before my actual diagnosis. So within that time frame, my relationship with food was really impacted because it either made me feel good or bad. And it either was like the hero or the villain of my story. And I like to say that a lot in my group, like, you know, we're trying to move away from that and it just be you know, approaching it with neutrality. But anyway, so basically I had restricted my diet so much that it was actually worsening my digestive symptoms because I was afraid to eat, which that's a normal response when food makes you not feel good. You know, it's a protective mechanism. So I was trying to protect myself by restricting my diet. And I had this very intense food fear that was also causing more anxiety in my life, led to some thyroid issues. It impacted my period. So, and it was all based off of my digestive conditions, you know, that led to all these other things. And I really had to come full circle and look at my life and diet holistically and not just focus on food to truly find relief. And that's what I want to give to other people, not having food be good or bad or that intense fear around it, but instead looking at other ways that we can improve our lives to improve our digestion, because that's what I experienced. I realized it wasn't just the food and I want to give other people that gift as well. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's really powerful that you can share that vulnerability. So thank you for sharing that with listeners. I think that's relatable for a lot of listeners. And then you were able to pull from that experience and help other people, right? With what you were able to identify as well in your own journey. What was the hardest part of taking your personal journey and turning it into your message? I think in the beginning, I was almost resistant because it's very vulnerable. And I think I had to watch other dietitians be vulnerable. That inspired me. Like a lot of dietitians that have come through this method, sharing their story and seeing other people talk about it made me feel not alone. So I want to do that for other people. So kind of like normalizing these conversations. I think that we tend to beat ourselves up for having experience like this, but it's really what creates community. And that's why people join my program because they don't want to feel alone. So if I can't put myself out there, then how can I expect other people to do that with me? Yeah, it's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm so glad that I'm hearing you feeling inspired from peers and then you inspiring your peers just by being on this podcast and sharing this. So you're really you know, giving it back. That's what role modeling is all about. And I absolutely advocate that in the profession. And only 8% of dietitians own a business. So if we don't share our stories, then we're not going to be able to grow that number. And a lot of dietitians want to, they just have a lot of fears, understandably, right? A lot Mm -hmm. of fears about what to do and confidence. So the more they can hear from diverse people with different specialties and interests and backgrounds, it's truly better for the profession. So I appreciate your time to role model that for everybody. And then, you know, our team loves to hear your success as well. So speaking of success, we talked about your vulnerability, your personal story, your messaging, and how market research helped you make your business about them and not you, which is a great reflection and pretty typical. I want to now talk about you building this. I know you've got five clients, but also with a full-time job. So can you share a little Mm -hmm. bit about that process of how you're able to balance the two? I mean, you can take it from here. There's a lot of ways we can go from there, but that's an inspiration in itself that you're able to have two things working at once and operating to what you want, right? Because you're where Mm -hmm. you want to be right now. And that's a really great place to reflect on. Yeah. So I have five people in my group program, but then I also have some private clients too. So 
it's nice to do the one-on-ones and the group for me right now. So I have like about three one-on-ones and then I have five people in my group. So that's where I'm at. (laughs) And yeah, it feels really good. I do work full time. And like we were talking about before, I'm just really blessed with the job that I love. And I don't think we need to take this all or nothing approach to growing a business. And you can do both. And for me, it's just about time management and really focusing on being present with what I'm doing. So one of the big things is like, having a task and sticking to it and just finishing out that task and time blocking. So I think with time management and your ability to be truly present in what you're doing can make that a possibility. Yeah. And that's such a hard lesson for people to learn. There's a lot to unpack from there because time management is important, but also it's very special for you to have a full-time job, not hate it and still be motivated to build this. So I kind of want to go there for a minute, but I'm going to sit with the time (laughs) management first and then we'll go to what I want to go to because you started you know, going into time management. What do you think helped you leverage or enforce time management and time skills to be able to toggle between the two? Was there a certain tactic or tip that helped you? Have you always been good with that? Or has that been something new that you've doubled down on? Or is it because you're running a program that affords you the opportunity to not only do private calls, right? Because five private calls is a lot more time than one Mm -hmm. group call. So what's helping you with the time management? So I plan out my week ahead, like we did in the program. That's something that I do every week. And so I've been really focusing on not like task switching. So really focusing on a task and not like going back and forth to a million things. But I think planning the week out ahead and setting an intention, but also giving yourself grace because like we're humans, we're not robots. So we need to give ourselves some fluidity within a structure. So kind of creating that structure, but then knowing that you can't like put a time on creativity Activity. That's like my biggest thing. Sometimes it'll just come to you and you want to do something like when it comes to content. I think that's a big thing, like knowing when you're most creative and making sure like that's the time of day that you focus on X, Y, and Z and really putting the tasks matching with your energy levels that you know of yourself already. So I'm not going to, you know, develop something for my program at 7 p.m. on, you know, Thursday night after the week. Like that's going to be something I do in the morning. So really knowing yourself and then putting tasks aligning with your energy throughout the day, but then also planning the week ahead. Yeah, that's really powerful. And optimizing your energy levels to your tasks is a very higher level concept. So I'm impressed that you're doing that. People who struggle with time management often have a hard time just planning their week. Mm -hmm. So I would say if you're listening and you're feeling inspired, but also overwhelmed, the first step is putting it down on paper. What are the tasks that you're doing? And then the second step would be identifying what's really urgent because a lot of times we think things are urgent that aren't. And then the third thing would be finding ways to time block. And then the fourth thing would be, I love your example. It doesn't make sense to put a lot of energy and effort into something creative if you're really exhausted, right? So you Mm got to find your optimum levels. For many of us, it is the morning. Some of us peak in the afternoon. Take some time and reflect on for yourself, for the listeners. So thank you for sharing that. It's really helpful. And I can see why you're so successful, right? We've really been able to take this seriously. And you've really been able to match up your personality and what fits for you. And that shows in this interview, it shows a lot. So it's really nice. I want to go to the aspect about where's the motivation? Like what's your ultimate goal? Because typically folks that are super happy at their job aren't going to push so hard to build a business because they're already Mm -hmm. feeling satisfied. So tell me a little bit about 
what motivates you? Because getting five clients, you know, takes effort, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess I just don't like to put myself in a box like and being like, you know what, this means X, Y, or Z. Whereas instead of choosing this or that, I want this and that, (laughs) you know? And I think that right now, yeah, like I'm really blessed that I really love my job and I do a lot of counseling in my job and lots of amazing trainings and just a great support surrounded with amazing dietitians. And with my private practice, I think it draws out another side of me. So I'm able to kind of see two parts of myself being fulfilled. And that right now feels really good. So in my private practice, I think I'm just kind of inspired by the possibility, you know, like you're in charge. Like I'm a Leo. I feel like it comes out in terms of like me really wanting to move forward with the private practice and support other people and create and kind of, it satisfies that aspect of me. And then my full-time job satisfies a totally different aspect of me. And it's very balanced. And I'm finding that I'm in a really good spot and not really asking too many questions about it instead of just like going with it. You know, I don't know if that kind of answers the question. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that to feel more fulfilled because if your job fulfills certain areas, but then your private practice fulfills other areas of, you know, tapping into creativity and being in charge, then you're able to really hit different points, right? Where you're enjoying aspects from full-time job, but then you're like, Hey, I want more. So then you're really able to move up the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and move towards self-actualization. Would you say that that's relatively accurate? I think that, you know, cause I do a lot of creativity in my full-time job too, but I like where you're going with this, like self-actualization. Cause I think private practice to me has become a spiritual journey where I'm like, it's more so connecting to putting myself out there, seeing what comes up. And to me, that's like so amazing that you can actually take something that never existed and then create it and then use it as a way to grow spiritually yourself. So this might be like very (laughs) woo-woo, but I think that's like, you're kind of helping me draw out. This is like a small counseling session. Like you're helping me draw out like almost what my private practice means to me right now. And it's more about that growth aspect, internal growth almost. It is. It so is internal growth, right? Because we talked earlier about mindset being so important to be able to grow your business. So you're growing as a human, as you're growing your business, learning more about yourself. Would you say that that's kind of like a different than even if your job taps into creativity, like you said, a spiritual journey on the private practice where you're able to really create something on a deeper level? Yeah. And I think that's kind of, I feel like when you think of a private practice, a lot of it is like, I'm not really talking about money that much right now. I'm noticing I'm really talking about kind of these other aspects Yeah, and I'm hoping some people still resonate with it. Totally. Yeah. Well, on Maslow's hierarchy of need, money is below self-actualization. Research shows there's a certain amount of money. I think it's 70 something thousand a year Mm -hmm. where people feel relatively satisfied. Now, of course, that doesn't mean you don't want to make six figures. You know, a lot of our clients do make six and even seven figures, which is a lot of money, but that's not the only thing. And we are a mission-based company and all of our clients are right? Mm -hmm. Helping people with chronic disease, weight neutrality, force performance, like really helping people with their nutrition and health outcomes related to, you know, social justice causes oftentimes. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it feels really fulfilling and it feels really important to be able to help that and to be able to contribute. And that's for me, at least that's why I became a dietitian as I really wanted to make an impact and help people on a level that felt so special. 
I had no idea I'd be able to do it on an even larger level than the nine to five, because when you're your own business and you have a wider, you know, you can reach more people on social media, you can build your body of work. It's such a great way and an avenue to feel satisfied and tap more people and really help a cause that you align with. Because maybe in your job, unless if you're specializing in gut health and your position, you might not have the ability and the flexibility to pursue what you're doing independently. And that's really special, right? Because I know when I was in my clinical job, I taught medical professionals. I taught dentists, I taught pediatric residents and medical students, nutritional science. And I love teaching the teacher. That's what this business is, right? I'm teaching dietitians, but to me, it was fulfilling, but I wanted more, right? I wanted more than doing that. And so I created a full-time business out of this. So what I'm saying is I, I feel more fulfilled doing this than I did in my nine to five when I was a clinical dietitian, even though there were areas for me to feel like I was really helping. It's just a really cool level when you have your private practice. And then what I love that you're representing is that it doesn't have to be full-time. Like you're doing it on the side and enjoying it while you're still enjoying your nine to five. So I think that's a really great takeaway message for people mm-hmm. who are both like don't want to start yet or they're nervous or for people that just don't think it's possible because you're saying, hey, you know, this is my experience and sharing your experience is really helpful. Anything else on that topic that you want to, you know, wrap up with? Yeah, I think that I'm just thinking back about, I'm a yoga teacher too. And when I became a yoga teacher, I was very like, I didn't want yoga to be my full-time job because I loved Uh it. Like I wanted to kind of put that where I could enjoy it and not put so much pressure on it and really like, teach without having it be like, you have to do X amount of classes a week. You have, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's keeping me with my private practice. Now I can really explore that spiritual growth because I'm not like, I have a great job that I love. And this is something that is helping me explore different aspects of me without putting all that pressure on it. And I think that's kind of the relationship I have with it now, which is keeping it really fun and exciting and not saying you can't have that if you put, you know, that's your full-time job. For my experience though, that's what works for me. So that's kind of what I'm reflecting on. Yeah. And that's what this podcast is all about is sharing your experiences. And I so appreciate you diving into so many topics. And what don't you do? You teach yoga, you run a practice on the side, you've got a full-time job. I mean, I'm trying to sit like, my goodness, are you superwoman? Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I definitely have a lot going on, but I've learned how to take care of myself. My self-care practice is insane. And yes, spa girls, I see your stories. So I'm like a weekly self-care. Like I really know that in order to serve others, you have to serve yourself first and you have to feel good so you can show up. And to me, having a lot going on, I make sure that yoga does feed my soul. I make sure that I do spend time focusing on what I need. And so, yeah, it's a lot, but it's all exciting and it lights me up right now. So like I said, no questions, just keep moving forward. Yeah. I love it. That's a great way to wrap up today before our last reflection. Thank you for sharing that and your time management and self-awareness is probably what helps you make it all work, right? Going back to scheduling your week and optimizing when you do what and how you can fit in your self-care. Wow. We covered so much in about 30 minutes. This is amazing. Thank you so much, Tara, for sharing your journey, your experiences. This is really special. And I absolutely enjoyed having the opportunity to work with you. Any final thoughts? I always ask dietitians as we wrap up, any kind of final thought or word of advice to someone who's maybe not as far as you and they're feeling like a little discouraged? 
Yeah, I would just encourage people to invest in themselves. And I think that it can be really scary to do that, but you're worth it. (laughs) And you're meant to grow and learn and explore in this life. And I think that if something is calling to you, it's not just a coincidence or an accident or something that just happened, you're aligning with that. And if you're being called to do something, then follow that and start to seek people to support you and bolster you up so you can be the best version of yourself in that journey. And investing yourself, joining groups, make this so much more enjoyable. Yeah. Appreciate it. Those are great reflections. And thank you again. If you could just remind everybody what your handle is so they can follow you and support you on social, then we'll wrap up. Yeah. So happy.gut.nutritionist trying to keep things happy. So yeah, follow me, send me a DM if anything spoke to you, if you have any questions. Awesome. We are so excited to offer you support in our various programs. If you identify as a beginner and you're looking to lay down the foundations, our society program might be a great fit for you. I encourage you to go to dietitianboss.com under group coaching and apply for our experience, our transformative experience based off of my proprietary system called the Dietitian Boss Method. Additionally, we offer a higher level program called Executive to help you hire and manage a staff as you expand and scale your program, whether you're offering a membership, course, group programming, private coaching, or a combination of various different offerings. We're here to help you on your journey with developing processes and implementing the operational foundation that you need to reach your goals. A lot of our clients want to work 20 hours or less a week. And we're so proud to say that we've helped them achieve that goal. And you'll hear their stories on this podcast. Make sure to stay tuned and apply if you're looking for support to get there faster and meet some colleagues along the way who share your same growth mindset.